0: Welcome to Dressed, the History of Fashion, a podcast that explores the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, Cassidy Zachary.
1: And April Callahan. Okay, Dressed listeners, we have heard you because more than a few of you have written to us lately, noting that you really especially enjoy our extra, extra nerdy episodes of Dressed. And today's minisode promises to be exactly that.
0: (laughs) Yes totally nerding out today. (laughs) Uh, This is actually going to be really fun because today we're going to play a bit of the alphabet game, but by way of the history of fashion, of course. And because we are also word nerds, we thought it'd be entertaining to explore some of the more, well, unusual terms used for garments and textiles (laughs) in eras gone by. And April and I have actually selected words that we ourselves were unfamiliar with until working on this episode. So this should be an educational exercise for one and For all. And maybe I don't know, keep tally dress listeners. Maybe you do know some of these terms. I don't know. I knew like one.
1: (laughs) I feel, I feel like, I feel like some of our like professional fashion historians out there are gonna know a few, but don't be surprised if you don't know some of these as well. We're
0: trying to stump you, but we'll see how it goes. Exactly.
1: That's that's the whole goal. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. Okay, so, Cass, this exercise was a total hoot for me. I I definitely learned a lot. Um, Even just skimming the pages of, of like, things that I was looking at, I was seeing other terms that I didn't know, too. So, it wasn't just the ones that we're going to talk about today, but— I learned new terms for topics that I've actually already worked on. For instance, the first word that I chose is alizarin, which is apparently a natural dye made from matter root. And um, that's matter, M-A-D-D-E-R. And usually this creates a reddish hue and it's famously associated with the color known as turkey red. I wrote a paper on Turkey Red in grad school, and I still didn't remember this term. I mean, it was a long time ago, so maybe I forgot, but I didn't rem- remember the word Elizarin. But Turkey Red has a scintillating and sometimes kind of like scandalous history involving industrial espionage, uh, historic trade routes, et cetera. And perhaps we should do an episode on it someday. I, th- I think it'd be very interesting, but... If you can't wait, there is actually more than a few books out there on this topic. And one that I would recommend is called Matter Red, M-A-D-D-E-R, Red, A History of Luxury and Trade by Robert Sin Sinner. And I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your your last name wrong, but that's my first term, Alizarin.
0: <laughs> what did you pick? I was going to say Alizarin, not to be confused with the house in Harry Potter from Harry Potter, but. No, 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 like no, no,
1: not Slytherin, <laughs> Alizarin with an A. <laughs>
0: So I'm going to go with B is for bat's wing or bat swing. The wings of bats were actually used as ornaments and dress in the 19th century. Yep. Macabre, yes. Entirely false. Also, yes. (laughs) Ah! She checked bat, it. <laughs> Batswings was actually another textile term used for a soft, slightly fuzzy cotton textile that was sometimes actually woven in a tubular fashion, which is somewhat unusual, but which made it perfect for use for sleeves and petticoats. Who knew? I had no idea.
1: I did not. Well, apparently we are on the same tip, textile science for the win, Because I chose calendaring for the letter C, and that is not scheduling your day out, friends. If any of our listeners are fans of moiré textiles, calendaring is the process that involves heat, pressure, sometimes a little bit of moisture, and roller polishing. And that is actually what creates the moiré's distinctive watery effect.
0: So very cool. I had no idea. We are definitely on a roll here. (laughs) D. So D is for diaper cloth, which has its origins in the Belgian city of Desprez. Uh, D apostrophe Y-P-R-E-S. Famed for its linen cloth used in bed sheeting, tablecloth, undergarments, and you guessed it, to cover babies' bums. No <laughs> idea that was where the term diaper came from, but now we know.
1: <laughs> well, apparently to sew so said diaper cloth, perhaps my next selection for the letter E would be much appreciated. Historically found in many women's sewing baskets, an emery bag contained powdered emery. And emery is a mixture of corundrum and magnetite. And together they form, in a when they're powdered, they form an abrasive. Um, and this is apparently used to polish and clean one's sewing needles. Have you ever cleaned your sewing needles, Cass?
0: No. Okay, me neither.
1: <laughs> I can barely manage to clean my makeup brushes from time to time. So that's all I have to say about that.
0: Yeah, I could probably count on one finger how many times I've cleaned my makeup brushes. But that (laughs) says a lot about how much makeup I wear. (laughs) So I wonder if Emery might also be used to clean my selection for F, which is falal, A term used negatively for cheap trinkets or other small items of dress considered to be tasteless or tacky. And I feel like actually this is what all the quote-unquote proper society ladies are thinking about Lady Russell's costumes on the Gilded Age, if anyone's watching uh, that HBO show. Just saying. Yep,
1: I'm, I'm watching, but I have not watched the last episode, which was last night. So perhaps I will do that this evening. Okay, well, if you wore your gibus with a G, so that's G-I-B-U-S, to the opera or theater, you had been thought of as the opposite of tasteless casts. this is a term used for collapsible top hats which were super fashionable during the 19th century and you could just basically like pop the tall top down inside like the brim and it would instantly come like more flat and easier to store while you were seated at the theater and it didn't take up room which is pretty cool
0: I want to see one of these they have to exist in museum collections right oh they
1: do've I've seen them I actually also wrote a paper on <laughs> <laughs> In grad
0: school, so returning home from an evening out at said theater, that gentleman's lady friend might choose to slip into her H is for Hollywood top. Our only lingerie term on this list, Hollywood top refers apparently to a slip featuring a V shaped bodice.
1: Yes, yes, I have never heard of a Hollywood top, um, so I'll go ahead and accuse that of being an indument. I for endowment is apparently an archaic term for a garment or piece of clothing. So Hmm. if we just have you put on your endowment today, friends.
0: (laughs) Basically, everything we're using today is an endowment, I would argue. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Moving on to J, we have Jane, which apparently was a term used for false banks. And that's right, dress (laughs) listeners. Wigs, hair pieces, extensions are absolutely nothing new. The Victorians, for instance, were absolutely mad for them. And if you look at the hairstyles of, say, the 1880s, the 1870s, I wonder how they achieve all of those twists and abundance of braids and hair. That's because more than likely plenty of it was fake. Like, if you look in, like, a Sears catalog, for instance, plenty of Janes.
1: Yes, for sure. And also, like, entire just... It was big industry back then. Like, there were entire catalogs just for those things. Um, you can even sometimes find ads for them in fashion magazines at the very back. It's it's kind of interesting.
0: I'm assuming this was human hair, which, again, this could be.
1: Yes and no, if you wanted to pay the most amount of money for it. Yes. And if you didn't, there were alternatives. Let's just say that.
0: Okay. Another episode. If you want to hear about it, let us know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: We're going to move on to K, and K is for kilty tongue. And Cass, well, I didn't know this term. As soon as I read the definition for it, I immediately knew what it was. So you know how sometimes you see those very early 20th century shoes that were mainly worn for sports like golf that have like a fringed cover over the laces? It's like this very iconic look. And apparently that type of shoe tongue that comes up and over, and then it kind of has a fringy edges, that is called a kilty tongue.
0: Interesting. I have a pair of very narrow, very vintage shoes that apparently have a kilty tongue. As cool. In, um, now you know. Yeah. Now I know. So after an invigorating day, that sports person might be dying to go home and crawl into their littery... L is for literary, based on the French word for bed, which is L-I-T. Literary was a term used in the past to refer generally to all types of bedding.
1: I would like to inquire if that literary would come in Malay. So M for Malay, M-E-L-L-A-Y, dates all the way back to the 14th century. And it is a term used for a mixture of colors in textiles and or clothing.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, from the American colonial period comes our selection for N, where women wore. This was a time where women wore dresses trimmed with none so pretty, you type <laughs> a type of fanciful ribbon, tape, or cording. Yeah, I think that's
1: really great. Also, too, like totally off topic, but like there was a millinery term for ribbons at the back of your hat called "follow me, lads," which I also think
0: is oh, like that's super lovely. Charming.
1: I know. Okay, so if a woman was wearing a very elegant dress trimmed with none so pretty, perhaps she might also be wearing an ouch. And um, <laughs> I'm not in pain, dress listeners. Um, apparently, ouch was a jewelry term referring to a clasp or a setting of the piece. Sometimes it could actually mean the entire piece, apparently. But I'm, I'm wondering why was it called an ouch? Like, was it because it might get caught in your hair and cause discomfort? You know. I think we've all had that happen. One can only wonder.
0: Yeah, it's super interesting. And then how does it become like, you know, this more common parlance associated with, you know, hurting oneself? Like, how does that transition and where and when? Super interesting. Word nerds. Word nerds. (laughs) Our listeners know, and maybe you don't if you're newer to the show, we've done entire episodes dedicated to words like the origin of the term flapper. Yeah. So this next term actually has to be my favorite yet, because this is incredibly fascinating. Um, We have to do a little bit of a deeper dive on this one at some point when we have a chance to do some additional research. Uh, April, have you heard of the ultra-fashionable 18th century pastime of parfolage?
1: I have not.
0: (laughs) Okay. So this is super interesting. As we both know, 18th century fashions had a penchant for adding metallic trimmings to both men and women's wear if you were of a certain class. And, you know, we always love to imagine how it would sparkle under the candlelight of the era, especially like the court of Queen um, Marie Antoinette. And this metallic effect was created by the use of threads made of real gold and silver, which were not only costly, but ultimately valuable when the trimming was no longer itself valuable. So it was going to be discarded, etc. So apparently, women began picking apart the trim to save the threads of precious metal. And this even included aristocratic (laughs) women. It became like this pastime. (laughs) So you would sit around with your friends gossiping and just picking apart these types of trims. And the valuable threads could then be molten down and redeemed for cash. And apparently there was this whole industry around this, which is fascinating. And not only would people quote-unquote recycle the threads, but it became such a hot thing to do that some makers started making small objects that incorporated precious metal threads for the sheer purpose of par They were created to ultimately be destroyed as part of this hobby.
1: Okay, that's crazy. Well, no, I w- I don't, I don't want to say that. Let me let me reverse that. It's not crazy. It's quirky.
0: Right? It's very quirky. <laughs> I was I can't remember. I was following some Instagram historical costumer, and she went on the same vein. She went to the store and bought a sweater, a knit sweater, and then undid the whole sweater just so she could get the yarn, which I thought was just so creative. Um, and it's kind of an example of this. Yep,
1: yep, 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 yep. Well. Speaking of quirky, you guessed it, quirk is my choice for letter Q. Perhaps some of you will know this better as the practice of clocking, which was the placement of small embroidered designs like flowers or geometric patterns near the ankle area of one's stockings. And this practice dates all the way back to the 17th century. And then clocked stockings were popular for men, women, and children for a good 200 years maybe plus years or so, cast. So I just learned today, um, I've known this term clocking for a very long time, but I just learned that quirking is an alternate term for this very popular practice.
0: So not an alternative form of twerking.
1: Well, I don't know. We'll find out.
0: <laughs> maybe now it will be. Who knows? <laughs> Are dress listeners, is for roach. And extra surprising that this was a term... Yikes. Rev- yeah, I know. I know. It's so bizarre. Referencing a hairstyle where the front of the hair was brushed into a backwards roll. I mean, cute style or not, I'm not sure I want to think about roaches in the context of one's hair.
1: No, 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 nope, nope. I'm with you 900% on that one. I'm going to pass. I will tell you what I am in for, though, and that is some... 18th century scroop, S is for scroop cast. And while I did not know this term, I'm not sure if you did uh, specifically, we have actually both probably encountered scroop before in the past because scroop is the rustling sound of silk. And I remember oh so fondly on a trip to a museum study collection one day, while we were in grad school with Professor Lourdes Font, she gave us this whole lecture about the market for fake historic garments that get sold to museum collections and collectors. And she demonstrated what fake and also real 18th century silk sounds like, vis-a-vis a a real and also a fake à La Francaise from the 18th century. Um, And the differences of how the silk sounds when it rustles. And it sounds completely different when the techniques used in the 18th century have been sort of completely abandoned by advancements in technology, etc.
0: That is super interesting. I don't believe I ever got this class from Lourdes Font. Um, But I'd love to have a future episode on this because that's really interesting. And I'm talking specifically about the market for fake historic (laughs) garments.
1: Right, right, right. Well, also two just fakes in general. And I've already talked to Ariel Alaya, and she says she's going to come on and talk to us about that
0: sometimes. Would love to. Would love to talk to her for sure.
1: Dress listeners, we often refer to ourselves on the show as dress detectives. But what if we told you that you could travel back in time and solve your
0: own fashionable mysteries? So join us, dress listeners, in putting on your detective hats and escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
1: Cass, as you know, we are going to be expanding our fashion history travel offerings this year. Mm-hmm. So you better bet that I'm going to be brushing up on my language skills with Rosetta Stone.
0: So, no matter what the time period, it appears people have always, always been interested in my next term, and T is for tarmosend. If I said that correctly, you did. Garments that are reversible to be worn on both sides, each with a different appearance, historically apparently were known as tarmosend garments.
1: Well, then I am very much looking forward to receiving my tarmosend dress, which I just ordered from past. Dressed guest Selena Sanders.
0: <laughs> um, awesome.
1: Shout out, girl. In my opinion, I think that reversible collection is your best yet. So I can't wait to wear it slash them because it's two dresses in one.
0: That's amazing. Yes. Huge fans of Selena. Our, our dress listeners might remember she is an amazing upcycler designer. Uh, so our next term, you is for ugly. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't mean that as an adjective of the term, but rather a noun, because apparently in the middle of the 19th century, Victorian women took to wearing a sort of wired silk shade or veil over their hats to protect their face from the sun, and apparently it was called an ugly. And... (laughs) I'm venturing a guess that this is not a simple veil that's incorporated into the millinery design, which was very intentional and elegant, so it added to the design. This thing sounds rather distracting, and perhaps is how we got the term ugly as an adjective. Who knows?
1: Maybe that's another question that we have to delve into one day. Yeah. Okay, for the letter V, we are going to turn to vampay, which is a very early American term for socks, and this kind of makes sense to me because given the fact that the word vamp is a shoe construction term so if you just add an a y on the end then all of a sudden vampay becomes shoe adjacent
0: yeah and also shoe adjacent is our term for the letter w which is wang with hang with an h (laughs) so w h a n g and this apparently historically has referenced the leather straps used to make thong sandals
1: yeah, so this one is a little tricky. Um, let me just say this. Um, while that was its historical meaning in the context of clothing, it also at that time apparently could mean leather whip. Um, so I'm not going to—I don't think we should wander down that pathway on dress today. But if you would like to make your own personal connections to any alternate contemporary usage of the term wang, you know, please feel free to do so. We're just going to mark that checked and move on.
0: Yeah. Two X. <laughs> And apparently X marks the spot where we could not find a single term. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Even relevant, um, interesting, obscure fashion term, none of it that begins with an X. I even was texting some of my um, Jonathan and David, my dear costumer friends, asking them, like, what is an X term in fashion and, and costume history? And now I have them on the hunt because we just simply could not find one
1: got nothing. but if you guys do, let us know, please, as Cass said. Yeah. Um, and, and slightly the same case for the letter Y, unless you want to count glass yarn which obviously begins with a Y. And and glass yarn is definitely interesting. Originally made from molten marbles and then sort of spun into filaments, which were then turned into yarn, it was this sort of technological marvel at the time that it was invented during the mid-19th century. And kind of like the same case with the sewing machine, the invention of glass fibers or yarns is much debated in terms of who was, quote-unquote, the first. But rather, it was this sort of series of discoveries by different scientists which moved technology forward to the point that today, get this, our fiber optic cables are basically the contemporary legacy of glass yarn discoveries, nearly 200 years old at this point, which is exactly why we make this show, just
0: saying. Yeah, because as we know, I mean, how do we have the modern computer if it were not for the punch card technology that was used in Weaving. Jacquard looms. Jacquard looms in the 18th century. So there you go. And why not end our alphabet game of fashion history with not one, not two, but three Z terms. Obviously, I have a penchant for the letter Z that all refer to the same item of clothing. (laughs) And in the ancient world, the terms zona, zonar, and zoster all referred to a belt. And regional and specific use may differ, but the etymological similarities between the words is quite clear.
1: Duress listeners, I think that completes our A to Z. Minus X, I guess, um, of our (laughs) fun, strange, and obscure fashion history terminology. If you are scratching your head a little bit about how we researched all of these terms, and you also want to tumble down this rabbit hole yourself, there are actually a slew of dictionaries out there of costume, dress, and fashion. Um, A couple that I might recommend to you, if you want to look at something new that has just more than terms in it, is the Fairchild Books Dictionary of Fashion by Sandra Kaiser and Phyllis Totora that has a ton of other types of information besides just words. And also, A Dictionary of Costume and Fashion, Historic and Modern by Mary Brooks Picken, which was originally published in the 1950s, but has now been republished several, several times. And Brooks Picken is a fascinating character in terms of, like, profession of being a fashion historian. She was a leading authority on fashion and the domestic arts during the 20th century. I think she wrote something like 97 publications, and we might just have to do an episode on her one-day cast. She was one of those kind of seminal early fashion historians that set up our field. I think she also taught fashion courses at Columbia. She might or may not have been somebody who helped found the museum that ultimately ended up becoming the costume institute so there's a lot of threads to pull there we'll do that one day
0: well that does it for us today dressed listeners may you consider the a to z residing in your closet next time you get dressed remember we love hearing from you so if you like to write to us you can do so at just iheartmedia.com you can always dm us on instagram at dressed underscore podcast and if you'd like to take the time to rate and review us on your podcast listening platform of choice, we always appreciate your support.
1: Thank you, as always, to our producers, Casey Pegram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartMedia that makes the show possible each week. More Dress coming your way on Tuesday. Dress, The History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows.